I want to draw your attention to the prophet Isaiah and chapter 28 and the end of verse 16. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. Whoever believes will not act hastily. And he that believeth shall not make haste. All right, this, uh, he's talking about a certain constituency, a certain group of people, and this is how he characterizes them, they believe. All right, he that believeth. Um, they don't believe in themselves, they don't believe in uh, the gods of Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and Moab. They believe in the Lord, in, in Jehovah. Um, the God we find in Genesis 1, we are told in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is our creator. And, um, you know, we are characterized by believing in him. There's a database, and all the Greek um, language of um, Plato and Aristotle and the philosophers and the uh, comic writers and the playwrights and the poets. Um, all that Greek is on this database, every bit. And then they're adding to it, then they're finding um, scraps of papyrus preserved in the uh, desert sands of Egypt, letters that wives have written to their husbands, bills that have been sent out, and they've added all those Greek bits. And they continue, this, this um, database grows. And then all the New Testament, which is not written in classical Greek, but um, common Greek, the kitchen Greek that people talked and wrote to. And it's all there, and it's a great value to um, New Testament <coughs> scholars, especially people who are writing commentaries. And so what you can do is to say you want this phrase that you find in the Bible, believing in someone. Pistuo en, pistuo epi. So you go and you type in that phrase, and you press a button, and then it searches very, very quickly through all this, and then it prints out um, every example of this for you. So you wait and then very quickly it comes up and you look at it. And oh, to your surprise, you find that this phrase, to believe into someone, is only found in the New Testament. Not in classical Greek, nowhere else. In other words, it was invented by the apostles, it was invented by the Holy Spirit initially to explain to us the nature of what believing in, believing into Jesus Christ means. You know, um, when you start going out with someone and uh, you're getting to know one another, you uh, you're not, you should not be impressed that they've got a pretty face or that they've got a, a nice car or they've got money 
or that they dress smartly. You want much more, don't you, if you're going to live your life, the rest of your life, sharing it intimately with somebody else. You want to go into them, don't you? Into them. What are their values? What's important to them? What's their goal in life? How do they treat other women? How do they respond to their parents, to your parents? What are the things that they give their lives for? Is there love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and meekness and self-control? These graces, do they have that? Are they humble? Are they generous? Are they patient? Into, you go into, you look at their hearts, don't you? You look at their, their thinking, their values. And so it's, uh, it's not enough that uh, we believe about Jesus Christ, that he was a historical figure, and he was. He was born at the time when Herod was king and Caesar was on the throne in the Roman Empire and it was all locked in history, Luke and Matthew tell us. It's faith that trusts him. Whatever he says, he, he, can, he can't say anything wrong. If he tells us if we come to him, uh, we'll have rest. We will. We will. He guarantees it. If he warns us about the, the dangers of, of not trusting in him, that we are lost men and women, that there's dispeace in our lives, it, it's true. We, we trust him. But more than that, we worship him. We worship Jesus. I've spoken to him on your behalf this morning. I did so with the leaders of the church before we came in and we prayed. We thanked the Lord Jesus that he was present and we worshipped him. You know, there was an example when John the Apostle was on the island of Patmos, a prison island, and an angel came to him to speak to him and he fell down to worship the angel. The angel said, don't you worship me? Don't you worship? Don't you dare? You worship only God. But from the very beginning of the life of Jesus to the end, people were worshiping him. We've been speaking about the shepherds, haven't we? And how, after the angel had told them, you'll find the mother and father and the babe lying in a manger, and they go and and they see Mary and Joseph. And they worship the baby. Mary and Joseph said, oh, mustn't do that. And when the risen Jesus appears, and he uh, meets with the, the disciples at different places, we are told, and they worshipped him. Jesus didn't say, you mustn't worship. Only God. Jesus accepts their worship. The significant thing about a Christian is that on Sundays, the first day of the week, we, we meet together and we sing to him and we speak to him and we love to have his presence. 
We love to have his ministry to us and opening our minds and softening these hard hearts of ours and giving us new vigor and new understanding and new obedience. That's what believing in Jesus means. And that's why we, we want you all. We're glad you come and glad that you come back and are delighted to see you here today. But the great thing is that you, you personally trust and worship and love my Savior and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's, that's the great aim of, of you coming. We want to make that clear. Please keep coming. But more than that, trust and believe on the Lord Jesus. So... What is a, a characteristic then of, um, of, of what a believer is? Well, we're told here that he doesn't make haste. Isn't that strange? Is that a good translation of the Hebrew? That's, that's the first question we ask. And well, um, um, churches are using the ESV, the um, English Standard Version, and that's a very modern translation, and it translates it, he doesn't make haste. Exactly the same as the King James and the uh, Revised Authorized Version make it. It means, the word means, to be in a hurry. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you shouldn't be in a hurry. I shouldn't be in a hurry. That, that's what it's saying. It, the words of one syllable shall not make haste. You all understand what that means. Now, um, it, we do make haste. And we're often sorry for it. And so this is a, a challenge to us. It's divine prescription um, you get tablets and you have to uh, email the the doctor and say my tablets are out now can you sit, prescribe a new set and more and you go to the local pharmacist and you pick them up don't you you have a prescription now um, our King Jesus the great physician has brought you here this morning this last day of the year, facing a new year. And he's got a word for you this morning. If you, if you believe, you say you believe in Jesus Christ. You don't make haste. Now, making haste is neutral, isn't it? It's like eating. It's like sleeping. It's like walking. Um, you can be hasty one way and be very good. And you can be hasty in another way, and it's not good at all. So we've got to sort this out, haven't we, first of all? Um, what, what does it not mean, then, when it's saying to us, don't make haste? Well, it's not say, it's saying, first of all, uh, listen to the warnings of the Bible. Make haste to pay attention to the warnings of Jesus Christ. You, you mustn't delay. You know, you're driving along and the, the light 
is amber and then it goes red and you stop. You hasten to obey. The barriers start coming down over the level crossing and you, you obey. Sodom and Gomorrah were terrible cities and God sent messengers to warn the believers in the city to get out because he was going to condemn Sodom and Gomorrah. And so the messengers came and they spoke to his people and they said, hasten, hurry, get out of the city. It's going to be judged for its horrible wickedness. Get out. And they t told them that they must hurry and do it. Well, the Lord Jesus brings us warnings that um, we'd be lost, men and women, if we don't trust in him. If we say no to Jesus and go on saying no and shut the door and I don't want to hear. Jesus warns us of what happens. He says one day he will say to many people, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. Jesus' words. Well, you pay attention, don't you? Warnings. You see a bottle, one word, poison. So you high shelf, open the cupboard, put it where the children can't reach it. You see another warning on a door. Danger, high voltage. You lock the door. You don't want the children to wander in where there's high voltage cables. There are warnings. And we pay heed to warnings, don't we? We stand in the tube station and the loudspeaker will say, um, the tube train is now coming in. Please step away from the edge of the platform. We honour that person who's given us that word by taking it seriously. We don't say, oh, I want to see how near I can go without being hit. We don't play games with warnings. We listen, we move back. There are warnings in the Bible, aren't there? And you know how Jesus spoke and brought warnings to us. We are hasty to obey those things. We live in a moral universe. And what you sow, that you are also going to reap. And if you sow to the flesh, to lust and greed and voluptuousness, you are going to reap from those seeds that you have sown a selfish and godless eternity. Don't delay. Psalm 119 verse 60, I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. That's our resolution then for 2024. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. So that's the first thing where we must make haste. And the second thing in sharing good news. You instantly, you instantly share that news, don't you? And, uh, well, there are wonderful examples about that in the Bible. There was Joseph. 
and uh, he'd been sold by his brothers into slavery and he became then through the blessing of God on him he became the Prime Minister of, uh, of Egypt and we're told that um, his brothers came because there was a huge famine for years and they wanted to buy food and he saw them and recognized them but they didn't recognize the boy they'd sold into slavery and finally he can't keep up hiding from them any longer and he breaks down and he weeps and he says it, it's me it's your brother it's Joseph now he says um, make haste and go to dad tell dad who's been heartbroken since he was told that wild animals had killed me go to him and tell him I'm alive and I'm longing to see him again make haste don't stay here a moment longer it's good news there was a woman she longed to have children and one day she discovered she was pregnant and uh, she made haste to tell her her brother her husband Manoah that she was they were going to be parents they were going to be mum and dad they were going to have a baby boy it turned out and his name was Samson she hurried to tell him the good news or there were women at the tomb bringing frankincense to anoint the body of Jesus when they got there the stone was rolled away and the body wasn't there and messenger from God told them that uh, he's not here why are you looking for the living among the dead he's not here he's risen and we are told they hurried through the streets of Jerusalem and they knocked on the door where the 11 disciples were meeting and they told them we've been to the empty tomb he's not there he's risen from the dead they were in such a hurry to share this good news or the shepherds once the angels had told them they we are told that they made haste and they came to Bethlehem and they found the baby lying in the, the manger. They came with haste. It was such wonderful news. You didn't say, oh, shall I share it? Or shall I just keep it to my... Well, you know that. How oh, you call your sister and you say, he's out of hospital. Much better. Or you say, um, um, she passed her driving test first time. You share the good news straight away. We've got the best news in the world. Do you know? You've got good news for everyone who lives in the streets around us here. Everyone in you. I've got good news for you. I've got a, a teacher who will explain what life is all about. I've got the Lamb of God who takes our sins away. I've got, uh, I've got a sovereign protector who watches over us when we hear strange noises in the night and we know to whom to go and how we can help and we make haste don't we to share good news or again <clears throat> you you're not to be lazy or laid back in searching for good news 
So you've come here this morning because here you will hear about a risen Savior. That here is the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount and here is death. Now what is the greater? Is it the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount or is it death? And you know that, of course, it's the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount. He can speak, Lazarus, come forth. He can touch a little girl by her hand, Jairus' daughter, and raise her from the dead. He can stop a funeral procession, and he can raise the widow of Nain's son. And he himself, on the third day, he can open one eye and open the other, and unwrap himself, and the angels remove the stone, and he comes out to live forever and ever the risen Christ and he meets with us and he's here moving in the aisle and he's nudging you and he's saying I brought you here and I brought this man from Chiswick to come here this morning to speak to you this message and you make haste to listen to it it's the most important message you will ever hear in your life our eagerness to hear the good news. Daniel. Um, the courtiers hate him. And so they appeal to the vanity of Nebuchadnezzar. If anyone prays to anyone except you, he must be thrown to the lions. The silly king, flattered, signs it. Immediately it's been signed, they go to his apartment where Daniel is and they catch him praying of course they know he prays three times a day and they drag him to the king and he was praying not to you were you Daniel yes I was not to you the law of the Medes and Persians can't be changed the king has signed it he must be thrown to the lions they open the pit and they toss him in the king, we are told, had a terrible sleepless night and early, early in the morning he was awake and he walked to the pit where the lions were kept and he shouted into the darkness, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God able to save you from the lions? And he heard a voice. Oh, his beloved friend and faithful servant, Daniel. Oh, king, live forever. My God has shut the mouths of the lions. He hurried to hear good news. And so you must, you must come in a spirit of expectation. You must come here and you would say, Lord, have a word for me. Speak to me. I, I'm here because I, I can't live without you. I need you every hour. I need you for the new year. I can't face the rest of the winter without you. I need you. Make haste for those things. Or, um, again, you must make haste in doing good works. And there's a great story about this in the Bible. Under the oak trees of Mamre was the father of us all, Abraham. And Abram's there, and he sees three men 
coming towards him. They don't look crooks. They don't look like bandits or thieves. There's something lovely and beautiful about them. And he hurries, we are told, to them. There are no shops, there are no hotels. There are no buildings around except him in his tent. And, and he goes and he bows before them and he welcomes them. And he says, oh, um, be my guest. Come and stay with me while you're here. There's nowhere else. And they condescend, they agree. And then he hurries to the servants and he says to them, make fresh bread. We've got guests. Um, you know that we were not saved by good works, but for good works, which God had prepared beforehand that we should do them. And that we've been saved that we should be zealous in doing good works. That we should be caring. That's why we, we can't be lone ranger Christians. We need to come together to find out, um, well, how is Bill and how is Jacqueline and how is little Freddie and who are these new people and do they have needs and can we help in any way and, you know, you have good neighbours, don't you? They're not Christians, but they, they put us to shame by the way they'll water your plants when you're on holiday, look after your cat for a day and keep an eye. They see a man hanging round your house, they go and say, can I, can, can I help you? And we're to be good neighbours. We're to be zealous. We're never to grow weary of doing good works. So, make haste doesn't mean any of those things. Alright, well what does making haste mean then? What, why does he say here, that if you are a believer, you don't make haste. Well, the first thing, of course, we are not to be impetuous. That's the first thing. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ has provided for us someone who is called a wonderful counselor. He's, he gives us great advice if we go to him. We've got great decisions to make, haven't we? We are Wondering about a career, what job will we take? What college will we go to? Um, we start dating someone. Uh, is, is this God's choice for us? We become parents and we've got to look after our little children and be examples to them and we've got to care for them and then we get older and we get prone to illnesses because it's a groaning world and we're facing death. We need a counsellor. You're not going to survive on your wits. You're only going to survive with help from the living God. And that living God has shown himself to us in Jesus Christ. And so you just mustn't make rash decisions. You know, you men, you get a phone call. It's a very sweet-talking woman, and she's got these wonderful shares to sell. And they're paying... 15% discount now on them. It's likely to go up to 20% and there isn't much time and have you got some money that you'd like to invest? You pray about it. You talk to your wife about it. You talk about to your friends about it. 
don't make haste. You know, people hastily make very bad decisions. Who, do they, who have they got? If you say no to my saviour, who, who have you got to advise you? You know, people go to the pub and they talk to their buddies in the pub and they say, well, there's this woman, you know, she really fancies me and she's not in a happy marriage. Take her, they say, take her. You don't know what trouble you're making for yourself, what sin you're making. You go to the pub and they say, here's a camera, okay? It's worth 200 pounds and you can have it for 20. Um, where did you get it? Don't you ask any questions. You ask questions. Don't act impetuously. It's the way of folly and destruction. Let me give you an example of this. There's a woman and her husband. The woman's name is Sarah. And she longs for children. She's now in her 80s, perhaps 90s, and her husband certainly is. And God has come to them and God has told them that they're going to have a baby boy. But years more go by, four or five years. She has an idea. I'll give you my servant. And you sleep with her until she gets pregnant and we'll, we'll have an heir. We'll have a boy. That way. And Abram foolishly does. And it brings discord and conflict and pain. She's stopped trusting in God at a difficult time. And she chose a foolish way of reaction that she would help God in her haste. Again, uh, secondly, when it says no believer should be in haste, there are no shortcuts in evangelism. All right? I couldn't line up my three daughters and say, now repeat these things after me. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. And Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Now you're Christians, I say to them. Wouldn't that be utter folly to seek to do the work of the Holy Spirit to be meddling in the work of assurance don't be in the assurance business that's the work of the Holy Spirit no man can come to me except the Father who has sent me draw him and you're praying Lord um, thank you that my family are here today draw Everyone in my family, bring them, draw them. Wrap cords of love around them and bring them to Jesus Christ. They bow before him and they know him as their own Lord, as their own Savior. Don't, do, don't hasten by your own efforts and schemes to bring people to a decision when they don't know who Jesus is when they don't know of their need of Jesus because of their sin and their guilt. They have to say, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee. 
Oh, Lamb of God, I come. That's, that's how we come to Jesus. We come by a work of grace. The conception is of grace. The continuance is of grace. The consummation is of grace. That's why we're here today. Grace has kept us and will take us safely home. You know how Satan wanted Jesus to make haste. After his baptism, he's in the wilderness and Satan comes to him and Satan says, well, now look, 30 years you've been here. And what have you done in 30 years? You've made window, windows and tables and chairs. That's all you've done. And now you've chosen 12. And you're the son of God tell you what you must do. You must get to the top of the temple and you must jump off. And God, your father, will see and he'll send a squadron of angels and they'll catch you and they'll gently lead you to the ground and the people in the temple courts will see it and they'll be overwhelmed with the glory and they'll all follow you. That's what you must do. Or then he says, see all the stones here. You can make bread out of them. And you can feed everybody. They won't have to work a day the rest of their lives. You just feed them all. They'll worship you. Or then uh, he brings uh, another temptation. Just bow down and worship me. And too many people, too many people in Britain are doing that. And you'll have all the kings of the earth then following you. Jesus says, it is written. A great three words. It is written. What's in the book? What's in scripture? How should we live? The Bible tells us. The climax of our worship after we've sung to him and prayed to him. He speaks to us through his word. We listen. It is written. Satan trying to make Jesus... Make haste. Be careful. In evangelism. Not to make haste. Or, again, um, there are no shortcuts to growing as Christians. <coughs> you know, you don't become Christians by loosening your jaw and by babbling sounds and, and tongues and then you become suddenly a super-Christian, a hyper-Christian. You grow, you grow in wisdom, you grow in grace, you grow by inches like you grow physically. And you just notice it after a time and you say, oh, you've grown now. And I say to my youngest grandson, you're as tall as me. I have noticed imperceptibly. And it's like that with Christians. We, we are nurtured and fed by the word of God. We are nurtured and fed by Christian worship. We are nurtured and fed by the good works that we do week by week. 
we are nurtured and fed by the extraordinary influence one Christian has over another by their example and by their lifestyle mum and dad we see how they respond and we want to marry a girl like mum or a man like dad and growth comes growth comes imperceptibly not suddenly Ah, there are times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. There are times of reviving. There are times we look back and we remember a message and oh, it changed our lives. And we took a step forward, of course. Those things happen. But we don't make haste. There are no shortcuts to growing as a Christian. You know, um, Sundays are to be a day of rest, aren't they? That's what it's known as. And we've got to be so careful that we don't add meeting after meeting, fill it in, fill in the afternoon, fill in the after evening service, and there we're quite weary at the end of the day because we've sought to make haste with Sundays rather than seeing it as a day when we rested from our labours and we had a time of reading we wrote to a missionary that we pray for in the afternoon and we were time as a family together we come and worship together don't make haste don't, don't hurry up things like that so my friends here we are um, these are the sorts of exhortations that the word of God is giving to us for, for 2024 hurrying has no place in a believer's life. Um, Jesus was never in a hurry. He had time for people. He had time to pray. He had time to go on a boat and sleep on a cushion in a boat. He had time to work with his father and sleep in a bedroom with his brothers for 30 years and Jesus enjoyed his life and glorified God in all the anonymous years, like so many of our years are. There are the trivia that we are to employ ourselves in, in, in doing. Um, I'm thinking of saying thank you to people writing a little thank you email for gifts that we've received over Christmas and, uh, and s sending a note on a Christmas card you know how much we appreciate you all you do for us in the church and we we show our our appreciation just a little thing but the Bible says a lot about the importance of doing little things um, we must trust God about things that haven't yet materialized, that might never materialize. The things that we worry what might happen in 24. My friends, it might not. And God says he will provide all our needs so generously. He will 
more than we ask or, or think by, by the power of the Holy Spirit God will be with us through 2024 he will and we, we mustn't hastily and nervously go to God and say oh what about this and what about that God will say cast your cares upon me I, I, I'm strong enough I can bear the cares of every Christian in the world it's not more difficult for me with many than for a few. God is able to keep us from a hurrying spirit and to give us a peace that passes all understanding. He's able to strengthen our trust and bring the fruits of obedience, a, a sweet life, walking with Jesus to heaven. May it be for you 